This is our league, and this is your league. From the 55-yard line on CFL America Radio and the Sports History Network. The 44th Annual National Football League Selection Meeting is now in session. If you were an NFL scout in 1979 appraising Joe Montana, you would see an average arm, a low average size. He was frail. When you look at him, you know, you say, oh, look at this skinny thing. Something's going to happen. They're going to hit him. He'll never get up. Abramski said, I wouldn't want to have him in my foxhole if I'm in a war. And college stats that never even got him in the top 10 in the Heisman voting. He just thought he was just a clown. He really only had one outstanding trait. Montana throws, Hollahan, touchdown! He was a winner. I thought I was pretty well prepared when I got to the NFL. I wasn't even close to being prepared. Joe Montana is quarterbacking now. Magic that Montana must have. Where were they hiding the secret weapon, Joe Montana? Throwing in the end zone. Back to throw Montana. Even in 1979, the first round of the NFL draft was reserved for the physical specimens like that year's number one pick. Mr. Cousineau. Linebacker Tom Cousineau. Three quarterbacks were selected in the first round. None were Joe Montana. You look at the guys who went in front of me, they all had like crazy numbers. Jack Thompson, who went to Cincinnati, I mean, he's thrown about 50 times a game. Joe would see two of his Notre Dame teammates selected in the second round. We sat there through the first round, and we sat there through the second round. I'm not sure I could eat anymore or drink anymore. Finally, with the 82nd overall pick, the 49ers would give Joe the call. What about Joe Montana, the, the reasoning behind uh, picking him? Well, he's, he's been in a great program and had great success. He's intelligent and has a certain amount of size and movement, and he throws the ball well. He just had a good combination that, kind of, that we were always looking for. Joe entered rookie camp with his Notre Dame National Championship pedigree and college comeback reputation. But to the 49ers' 10th round pick, Montana didn't look like much. They fly us out for our first mini camp. And, you know, I don't know anybody. I go to eat at, there's a little Howard Johnson's restaurant counter thing. He comes in, he sits down, and blonde Fu Manchu, long blonde hair. You know, he could have been a rock star for all I know. I introduced myself, and he goes, no way. There's no way. I almost fell off the stool. I was like, this is the guy that came back and beat us at Clemson? This guy's not big as a minute. I go, I thought you were the kicker. <laughs> and we became, you know, great friends. Bill's looking for a culture to build. There was no rookie hazing. He said, once somebody comes and signs a contract here, they're a 49er till they're not here anymore. And everyone in that building is a 49er. 
Montana and Clark were joining a team that had gone an NFL worse 2 and 14 the previous season. In 1979, the 49er franchise had no winning history, just a legacy of disappointment. Here's your basic flyer. Intercepted. Honey Dungey picks it off. The fan base had never won a professional sports championship. San Francisco had never won a thing, and they were choky. In 70, 71, 72, they lost three years in a row in the playoffs to the Cowboys, twice in the NFC Championship game. This is it, field drive from the Cowboys that recovered the football. And the third loss was when they had a 11-point lead with two minutes to go. 17 points in that fourth quarter, my friend, for the Cowboys is what did the trick. What a stunner. Well, the Cowboys were great, and the 49ers were not so great. In fact, uh, they were one of the worst teams in the league for a number of years in the late 70s. They were, <laughs> I guess you could say, pretty much the laughing stock. So the 49ers were known for either being atrocious or breaking your heart. The attitude stunk. It wasn't good. You know, it just seemed like it was a three-ring circus. When I got there, we were 2-14. and 14. It was not a pretty sight. On paper, their star was supposed to be an aging O.J. Simpson, who the 49ers had acquired a year earlier by a trade with the Buffalo Bills. Absolutely for PR purposes. I agreed to it, and we gave up a lot of draft picks. And O.J. turned out to be a, you know, a flop. His knee was bad. So that was one of the worst trades probably that any team had ever made. O.J. was on his last legs. You know, when we got there, you know, he couldn't run very well. He wasn't studying the plays. We'll take a break at the end of the team. Yeah, we will take a break <laughs> at the end of summer. The sad state of the team mirrored the state of the city, which was reeling from recent tragedy. Eddie bought the team in 1977. I became mayor in November of 78 under very difficult circumstances with the assassinations of my predecessor, George Moscone, and Harvey Milk. Both Mayor Moscone and Supervisor Harvey Milk have been shot and killed. San Francisco had some very, very dark days. San Francisco, with a shortfall of $117 million in revenue this year, is broke. The cable cars draw in tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars a year in tourism. Today, the tourists weren't riding. Some of the system parts underground are 100 years old. The supports are rotted away. Me and my wife, when we first arrived, the atmosphere was the city is down. The economy was so out of whack. The interest rates in 1979, we, the best we could do was 21% on a mortgage. Everything just seemed to be going crazy. It seemed to be going totally out of kilter. Into this very disparate situation came the Niners and Joe Montana and a new coach. Okay, now we got the idea on that. This field isn't as good as I thought it would be. Let's try now with his own defense. Okay. Now, I'll be the strong safety line. You the 1979 season would be Coach Bill Walsh's first shot at being an NFL head coach as an assistant for Paul Brown in Cincinnati. 
Walsh invented a pass-first offense that he thought could revolutionize football. He just needed the right quarterback to run. It's my feeling that this young team can be brought together into a cohesive unit that can play very, very interesting football in 1979. I don't want that sick feeling of losing a game that you should have won or could have won. That sickening, lousy feeling. You could just see the change. You could see the attitude change. Bill started, at that point, getting pieces that fit into his puzzle. In his first training camp, Joe would get to compete for the starting job with incumbent quarterback Steve DeBerg. So you're here, you're here. Steve DeBerg was our quarterback, one of those classic overachievers. This guy will be playing outside. I don't know what's going to happen to him, but I do know that the changeup will give him trouble coming on the weak side for him. That first year, Bill was trying to put in the Bill Walsh offense, which has now become the West Coast style of offense. Going into 79 camp, did you think you were the starter? I did. I, I thought that I was be the starter. I knew that Joe was very talented, but, uh, well, he was awful skinny, and he had very skinny legs, but he was, he was extremely athletic. We became really, really good friends. You know, it was just so fun to compete and train with a guy that you really like and extremely competitive. As competitive person as you will ever see in your life, from day one, we, we competed, competed at everything. everything. We would get together, you know, off the field and play golf and play tennis and play racquetball and play ping pong, Pac-Man. Space Invaders had just come out. And asteroids and every now and then, tequila. <laughs> there was one aspect of DeBerg's game for which Joe could not compete. When Joe came to San Francisco, he invited me to go to training camp to visit him. And I remember watching Steve DeBerg throw. And boom, you know, I mean, just bullets. You know, and you're watching Joe throw, and there's no comparison. I left that thing going, I don't know if he's going to play here, you know, because it just the difference in the arm strength was just unbelievable. In preseason, I think it was my first start. I threw two interceptions. And the guy had the nerve to run me over to get into the end zone. And I think you could turn out the lights. I couldn't believe that. <laughs> that wasn't a, wasn't a very good start to, you know, to getting a chance to see if you were really ready to play or not. <laughs> What's Thunderstruck on Carnival? What's Thunderstruck? Thunderstruck! 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 Someone's not doing their job. Okay, let's keep going. Shopping for the game can be a minefield for young homeowners who have turned into their parents. Can you believe how many different types of water they have in this aisle? Kim, did you just change blades back oh. there? This is perfect. Jackpot, variety pack. Remember, it's a football game, not a play day. Roger that. One more slice. It can be a lot. Oh, good, the manager. Uh, Brian and Produce, very helpful. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto with us. Pulls to the left a little bit. From Metropolitan Stadium in Bloomington, Minnesota, CBS presents game one of the 1979 NFL football season. 
At the start of the 1979 preseason, the weight of being upstarts loomed over the struggling 49ers. Reality would sink in for Joe Montana as he stepped onto an NFL field for the first time. Holding, I got stuck with that job when I got to the NFL, too, for a while. The hold is by a rookie, Joe Montana, out of Notre Dame. But there go the Vikings, blocking a field goal attempt. This is the worst job in the world. It was from a hold that Montana would also complete his first NFL pass. It's a play fake kick, and the pass is caught by Francis. It's a first down. Had I known if you put your hand in front of it and let let your hand get kicked, they'll take you off that duty real fast. (laughs) With Joe on the bench and Steve DeBerg at quarterback, the 1979 49ers lost 13 of their first 14 games. Joe would watch from the sidelines as DeBerg dropped back to pass more than anyone else in the NFL. But Steve only had 17 touchdowns and 21 interceptions to show for it. As inept as the offense was, Coach Bill Walsh had asked Joe for the time being to just watch and learn. In a Week 12 blowout loss to the Broncos, desperation met opportunity as Walsh finally gave Joe a chance. Do you remember who caught Joe's first ever touchdown pass? Boy, that, you, that you've stumped me on that. That's a heck of a trivia question. Would it be McAfee? Back to throw is Montana. Throw, a wide open touchdown, 49ers. It was me, Bob Brewer, who caught Joe Montana's first touchdown pass. Bob Brewer. Good for Bob, that's cool. Now, now I'll file that away. Late in the game against the, the Broncos, Bill had put Joe in. We called a, a 73 white stick. Joe looked to his left, threw the ball. It was lucky it just stuck to my hand. At that point, it was no big deal. We were probably getting beat by three touchdowns. So after the catch, Joe was strong-arming me for the ball, being that it was his first touchdown pass. And I kept going, yeah, but it's my first touchdown catch. You know, 6'1", 190 quarterback, 6'5", 240 tight end. That's, that's it. He's still got it. He does? Oh, he's got it. Oh, I have to beat him up. <laughs> Go get it. Okay. In week 14 against the Cardinals, Joe would get his first pro start. Expectations were high. The quarterback of the future. <laughs> I hope so. In 1979... You know, Joe hardly played at all. And it was because of Bill Walsh. It wasn't really my talent. Honestly, Joe Montana was a lot better quarterback than I was. <laughs> Montana quarterback, the rookie out of Notre Dame. We're going to see how he can throw the football. Montana is holding on a little bit too long. He threw the ball there to a guy who was completely covered. Timing's not as good for Joe Montana as it has been for Steve DeBerg. It's very evident so far. He's having a tough time getting the feel of it out there. When Joe did improvise opportunities, his teammates weren't ready to seize them. Goes into the end zone, and it's incomplete. Couldn't hold on. Now, normally we would have halftime highlights, but there weren't any. Coming from Notre Dame, playing in a national championship game, playing in big TV games all the time, I thought I was pretty well prepared when I got to the NFL. 
I wasn't even close to being prepared. The 49ers finished 2-14 and for the second year in a row. Joe's rookie season had awakened him to the realities of life in the NFL. Bill Walsh taught me a whole nother level of preparation and what needed to be done. He goes, you just seem like you want to be mediocre to good. You need to want to be perfect. You need to want to strive to be perfect. I'll tell you what happened. We got, a, we got confused. Uh, Sam had talked about a hitch, and I was thinking automatic hitch. And oh he was thinking, yeah, we can't play around with that kind of a play. Because no one's going to be perfect. But if you miss, you can still be pretty good. He says, but if you strive to be mediocre and you miss, you won't be on this team very long. He goes, when you walk out there, you should try to complete 100% of your passes. I do that. He goes, no, you don't. You don't seriously do that. You don't think in your mind. And he was right. I wasn't ready. Well, I'd hope to fight 100, but 10 will do. Fair enough. I'd be very angry with you if you died. Only angry? You're a freak. Is he a hoot? You love her. The world will never accept me and a beautiful woman. In battle, you're a fighter to the end. But in love, you've raised the white flag. Poor little Serena. I'm not impressed by your swordsmanship. I know you pretend you're not. Serena, rated PG-13. I'm in love with you. I want you to be my girlfriend. I like you in a romantical kind of way. I hate you. Are you as turned on as I am? More. That's the first time we've ever kissed. The 1980 season began with coach Bill Walsh keeping Joe Montana firmly planted on the bench, even when his competition, starter Steve DeBerg, was missing one of a quarterback's main tools. Steve DeBerg has a problem in that he can't be heard calling signals because of an injury to his larynx, and so he's been equipped with a backpack and a microphone. In 1980, I hurt my, my throat last preseason game, and I had to wear a uh, speaker system you know, there was three times as loud as a car stereo with an off-on switch and a microphone in front of my lips. Well, turn that thing on. Let's hear that thing. Well, uh, yeah, basically, it's, it's a very good system, and, it's, and this is a brand-new speaker. And then I walked out to practice. I started whispering in this thing, and everybody could hear me. And, and you know, it's Silicon Valley, and they, you know, they, they came up with that uh, speaker system. And, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was awesome. The only problem that there might be is when there's a lot of wind and it blows into the speaker. And Bill Walsh, on purpose, brought Joe along slow. And he wanted Joe to have success and build on that success. During the week, Bill Walsh designs a play. If we get down to the five-yard line, I'm going to act like the speaker system doesn't work. Maybe DeBerg's battery is uh, run out. And then Joe's going to go in. Montana coming on the field. Bill's first kind of request was, I'm putting these in, you're going to run. First and goal at the five-yard line. Montana bootlegs. Montana hits the goal line. Touchdown. 49ers with Montana bootlegging it out. It's not bad for one play, is it? And sure enough, they score a touchdown. And I was like, 
Well, that wasn't quite fair. Montana threads a needle on this. Steve would have a drive going, and then he'd pull Steve out and throw me in. Like in the red zone in the middle of games. He would throw me into tough positions. There were times I'm like cringing as I ran past him on the way onto the field because I felt so bad, but not bad enough to turn around and go back to the sideline. I mean, I felt bad on how things were happening, but, you know, I'm not going to argue with it. It was obvious to me that that was happening, and, and I was okay with it. We were very good friends. We rooted for each other. They are the Dallas Cowboys, America's team. We were playing down in Dallas, and Steve DeBerg is just getting the crap beat out of him. And DeBerg wondering what in the world is going on. It's been a rough day so far for San Francisco. And Bill starts substituting, and I'm like right behind Bill's back, and when he would turn, I'd turn this way, I'd turn that way. This is no way I was going in that game. Are you surprised, perhaps, that Bill Walsh didn't go to Montana here in the second half? Well, it's, I'm sure Montana will be in there before the day is over. But, again, Bill Walsh was grooming Joe to have success. He didn't want to put him in a situation that, you know, he gets embarrassed or it dings his confidence. Oh, misery, says Bill Walsh. It was frustrating for me, in particular, that one game. That's five interceptions. Ninth turnover of the day. They ran us out of the state. And I, I do think they, you know, they ran the score up. Could have scored more, actually, and uh, didn't. But, but the fact is, we didn't intentionally run up the score. They let us run up the score because of the fact the way they were playing. Cowboys tying their all-time club record for most points in a single game. 59. The Cowboys had this arrogance to them. And Bill Walsh talked about it in the locker room after. Remember this. Remember how this feels. Don't ever forget 59 to 14. Slowly, Bill Walsh began to ease Joe in. And again, we see what the ability or the threat to run can do. We see Joe Montana come out here, stretch the defense out, make something happen. I still was the starting quarterback, and I continued to be the starting quarterback. Then as the season went along, you know, Bill felt like Montana was ready, and then he finished out the year, and, you know, the rest is history. In week 13 of the 1980 season, Joe got the start. He threw three touchdowns and led the Niners to victory. Did the preparation change for you at all this week going in as the starter and knowing you were the starter? Uh, not really. I think in the NFL you kind of have to prepare yourself to be starting. So you would say this is the most solid you felt about quarterback then throughout the season? Well, I feel solid about Joe. I think he's proven that he certainly is a starting quarterback for this club. In week 14, when the 49ers hosted the 0-13 New Orleans Saints, it looked to be an easy win. Joe quickly learned that in the NFL, there are no foregone victories. What a very good start to getting a chance to see if you were really ready to play or not. The winless New Orleans Saints are sticking it to San Francisco. The Niners trailed by four touchdowns at the half. San Francisco must take advantage of every time they have the ball and score. For the first time as a pro, 
Joe tapped into that unusual ability he had displayed in the past. Out in front is Dwight Clark. He's got it. He's down to the 40-yard line of the Saints. Calm, infectious confidence to overcome insurmountable odds. It's not about arm strength. The man loved pressure. He knew my body language. He knew if I went this way, I was coming back the other way. Montana back to throw. He throws. He completes it underneath the Dwight Clark. He's the 40, the 45. He's the 50. It's a foot race. Touchdown, 49ers. And the 49ers are right back in this football game. Back to throw Montana. He's being rushed. Look out. He throws. He has Solomon open at the five. Breaks the tackle. Any great team, you need that kind of a game, that kind of a experience in your back pocket going forward. It is high, placed out. It is long enough. It is good! And the San Francisco 49ers have won in overtime. You're down 35-7 to at the half, and you come back and win a game. You always know. You had him at quarterback. You knew you had the ultimate chance. I think that gave the team a boost to understand that, wow, you know what? We can do something here. We got something that's changing. I have a comeback last week. Thank you. Now, we didn't have a winning record that year, but I think we played much more like a team that deserved to be in the league than what we were playing like before. Verizon is going ultra, and so is our best unlimited plan ever. With 5G ultra wideband now in many more cities and up to 10 times the speed at no extra cost. And how about a 5G phone to go with it? On us. Seriously? Yep, it's our best plan ever. Verizon is going ultra, so you can too. With Panera's You Pick 2, every meal is made fantastic. You can be fresh and fun, bold and classic, cozy and precocious. With 465 fresh, clean, craveable pairings, find a You Pick 2 for any mood. Enjoy a $0 delivery fee for a limited time only. two-year-long quarterback competition was over in San Francisco. A week before the 1981 season, Steve DeBerg was traded to Denver. The thing you have to realize about the game is that, you know, it's going to happen one day to you. and um, You know, you can have friends and everything, but the best thing you can do is look out for yourself. I can remember going to work talking to the defensive coordinator and us analyzing the team and the players and their progress and the schedule we had coming up and saying to ourselves, you know, this is going to be another long year. San Francisco 49ers, first round selection. Defensive back, Ronnie Lott, USC. Ronnie brought a huge addition of attitude when he was there. And he started at corner. And it got worse when he got to safety. <laughs> I get drafted to the 49ers. My moments with Joe early on in my life, I realized that this dude had something that was unique. If you've got a Joe Montana and everybody starts to feel his progress and his charisma and his leadership and his being the true field general on that field, you got a chance to win. You try to go into the game feeling that you're better than the receiver. You want to try to intimidate him. Joe had piloted the 49ers to a modest 2-2 two and two start. Here's Montana ready now, going toward the end zone. He's got it. He's in the end zone. A 49er touchdown. But in week five, the 49ers took off, thanks to owner Eddie DeBartolo. Our old DC-8 broke down. 
he brought in DC-10, and everybody now had so much room. The old DC-8 was a pencil, right? Each guy were squeezing there. We go on the trip, and we win. Mr. D comes into the locker room. He's happy that we won, but the team's going, DC-10, DC-10. And just like Mr. D always did, make you a deal. You keep winning, you can have the DC-10. The DC-10 was a nice addition, but it was DC-87, wide receiver Dwight Clark, that was quickly becoming Joe's new reliable. My man. Let's go. It was always Dwight and Joe, Joe and Dwight. Uh, whenever they would ride together, they would go to get lunch together, they would do this together, that together. After practice, Joe heads for a rendezvous with Freddie Solomon and Dwight Clark as they continue their search for the perfect hamburger. Off the field, what I loved about those two was that they loved having fun. They had a lot of things in common around a lot of things. I think anytime you have a personal feeling about someone, it's much easier to work with off the field and on the field. It's hard to, to say that friends never fight, but if I sit back and think about it, he and I have never really gotten into even an, close to an argument. Our friendship started first, and then we got, as we got to know each other, you know, on the field and off the field, we got to like each other even more. We're lining up and Joe looks at her, he says, get in shape. <laughs> they were both mischievous with people's bikes at summer camp, and and things in the locker room and stuff like that. Together, you wouldn't want to turn your back on him. Those two guys, man, they have devious moments where they wanted to pull a prank on you. They always had some type of scheme that they were working on. What's great about having those kind of relationships, you start to feel the spirit of the other guy. Montana and Clark's off-field friendship translated to on-field chemistry. In 1981, their 85 connections were the most of any quarterback-receiver combo in the NFL. A week six rematch with the Cowboys would show just how far they had come in a year. Remember, the Cowboys humiliated San Francisco last year by the score of 59 to 14. We expect a lot of fireworks at Candlestick today. Here comes Montana rolling out, throws a pass, it's caught, touchdown for the 49ers! This is what Bill Walsh said they had to do, is, is stop Dorsett, stop first down, so that they can get him in those passing and long yardage down. There's White looking, and White loses the football. Down he goes. Takes the draw, trying to throw a screen, does. Springs, what a play by Lott. The Cowboys, it seems like when it rains, it pours. They just can't get anything going. Dallas will have to kick it again. San Francisco has not beaten Dallas at home since 1967. They're well on their way to changing that. Will throw on first down, and does. Could be gone. White Clark. That is all she wrote. Bill Walsh has to be ecstatic about his team's performance today. He 
felt that maybe for the first time they could match up against the Dallas Cowboys. Indeed they did. They overmatched them. They look like it's going to be a cakewalk to the Super Bowl today. There was a vibe in San Francisco. I mean, the city and the community had seen the team much closer all year long. And you could feel that something might be brewing. In recent years, a football team that plays in the city by the bay has been fogged in. But this year, with a new spirit and a well-balanced offensive attack, the skies have brightened. When he came to 81, where he all of a sudden was the starter, I think Bill at that point had analyzed Joe pretty darn well and said, this is how to play to his strengths. Tell Freddie to split about six or seven yards on this thing and then get his up that field and you watch that safety, okay? Part of that was the ability to move around. I think as great as DeBerg was, he was a pocket passer. And I think in Joe, he not only had that element, but he had the ability to move him. Yes, you could be a drop-back passer and a very effective one, but we could gain a huge advantage by doing other things. Touchdown for San Francisco! This comes back to his athletic ability, his basketball prowess, and then you add it with his competitiveness. You tell me I can't do something? Oh, yeah, I can. I can't swirl out to my left and throw a sprint left option? Oh, yeah, yeah, I can. It was utilizing a man who had incredible gifts with a guy who knew how to bring the best out of him. When Joe first arrived at the 49ers, they had the worst record in the league. In his first full season as a starter, they posted the best, 13 and three. They made the playoffs for the first time in nine years. Montana throwing a 40-yard pass to Solomon. He's got it. A touchdown for San Francisco. It is all over. The 49ers have beaten the Giants. 81 just was this dream where, you know, you just couldn't believe as a fan that it was happening. Good job. Great job. But deep inside, in the back of your mind, you were going... Well, the Cowboys are going to ruin it for him again, eventually. I know, and I think everyone else knows, that the team we played the first time was not the team we're going to see this time. That was not the normal Dallas team. Even though we had beaten them before, they still didn't have the respect, and they were saying it in the paper about that it was going to be different this week. And the 49ers, they've read the newspapers. They read that Ed Tuttle Jones didn't respect him even after they beat him 45-14. to 14. This goddamn Dallas team... They can't keep their mouth shut, you know? All they always like is make a goddamn press releases out of Dallas how they're going to kick somebody's ass. And they're at it again. Nothing will be finer than get another chance at the San Francisco 49ers. We'll teach them not to toy with the Dallas Cowboys. I'm sick of them. I hope you guys are getting the same way out here. Yep, it's go time with wireless on the most reliable network. Okay, that jump was crazy. But what's crazier, you get unlimited for just 30 bucks. Nice, but mine has 5G included. Wait, 5G included? Yep, even these guys get it. Nice ride, by the way. And the icing on the cake? Saving up to 400 bucks? Exactly. Wait, shouldn't you be navigating? Xfinity Mobile. It's wireless that does it all and saves a lot. Like, a lot, a lot. 
Francisco, California, a city known for its restaurants, its cable cars, the Golden Gate Bridge, but not for its professional sports teams. No pro team has ever brought a major world championship to San Francisco. And yet this afternoon, the football 49ers stand just two steps away from a Super Bowl title. Their hurdle today is more than formidable. The Dallas Cowboys. There was a swagger. There was a swagger about those Cowboy players, okay? They really believed that they were America's team. There was a feeling that we are superior and we will take you down. The verbal war, always a part of the pregame hype before a big game. Surprisingly, the most outspoken player has been Too Tall Jones of the Dallas Cowboys. He threw a lot of deep passes as well as short passes, and uh, most of them are on timing. So what we're going to try and do is hopefully penetrate in there and, and get our hands up and try and offset his timing a little bit. They're thinking Super Bowl, and so are we, but they've got a little bit of vendetta against us, and they're coming in here, and they played well last week, and we played fairly well this week, and I think it'll be a good game. We ran this play where we fake a sweep, and we don't block it. Too tall is like right there. I do a little nod in, and then a big step to like I'm going to try to squeeze around him. Then I stop, and I step up in, in front of him, and I throw the post to Dwight. Tall Jones came up the field. Montana did a good job of making an adjustment, stopped short, and the ball is delivered right on the money. A beautiful catch. I turned and said, respect that. <laughs> That's exactly what he said. That is exactly. If you look at the TV tape of that play, he throws that pass. They immediately cut to DC. And when they get back to Joe, he's looking for too tall. Said, respect that. M we needed to win that game and win that Super Bowl. Montana buried by two tall Jones. You can knock him down several times. He's going to jump right back up with a smile on his face. In that same game, Randy White almost sacks Joe. And so Randy White kind of gets up and pushes Joe as he's getting up off the ground. Joe looks up and goes, Randy! Son of a bitch. I thought, I didn't even know you were here. <laughs> Despite talking a good game, Joe wasn't playing a great one. People forget they had a mess of a game. They turned it over six times. In and out of the hands of Langdell Elliott and caught by Randy White. And so you've got this fan base that is nervously riding the roller coaster. And sure enough, the Cowboys have a six-point lead and... They're down to their last drive. Deep inside, in the back of your mind, you were going, well, the Cowboys are going to ruin it for them again. Dallas was famous for their so-called nickel or dime defense. They were the originators of it. When they aligned themselves, their defensive end sat on the inside shoulder of our tight end. So we could cut him off, and that's all we needed. We could run our sweep. The Cowboys think and pass, and the Niners have run on it. They were playing the sweep by that time. We ran the reverse. Then we would mix in passes. It's been a marvelous play calling by Bill Walsh on this drive. Joe throws some incredible passes in that drive. 
all of which sets up third and three. So fasten your seatbelts. Everything hangs in the balance now. The season, the outcome of a Super Bowl bird hangs in the balance. I'll marry you. 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 I don't fit. Hanging with you today made me feel normal. Is this smart? I think we left smart six weeks ago. Marry Me, streaming now, only on Peacock. So now this is it. This is the moment as a 49er fan where you're just waiting to get your heart broken. How is this one there? Montana looking, looking, looking toward the end zone. Throwing under pressure. Throws his pass. Under pressure. Caught by Clark. Clark's got a touchdown. Clark Clark has it. It's a touchdown for the 49ers. And you guys earned it and deserve it because you're the best team in football. And you deserve it because of what him and everybody else has done. And I'm so proud. I don't think that anything could top this, anything in my life. And I love you all, and I thank you. Looking back on it, that was Camelot. That was Camelot. That was the greatest experience for everyone involved that they'll ever have in their life to go through a season like that. That was the turnaround. That was the origin of a dynasty. play we've worked on all year, and it really hasn't worked like it did today. I was a secondary receiver. Freddie was supposed to get the ball. It came wide open. Joe made a great throw. What's the name of the play? It's called the sprint right option. Next thing we've got, a little more of a passing situation. It's a sprint right option. You know, we'd already scored on the play earlier in the game. First and goal on the Cowboy 8. Montana throwing sick to Solomon, who goes over. For three years, we've been running this play. And we had never thrown the ball to Dwight. Earlier in the year, in training camp, Bill called us over one day and made us do this. Uh, Joe, try try, uh, try that, that little technique I talked about. Not as high as I threw to Dwight, but hands lengths above his head, so that if he misses it, it goes out of bounds. In practice, we'd roll right, and Joe would hit me 
you know, in the chest. No, Joe, no, not hot. So then he'd throw it, you know, five feet over my head. And, you know, we'd practice it and practice it. And every now and then it would be, you know, close to the right place. That's good. And both Dwight and I are looking at him going, he's going senile, man. We, we never thought about you on this. There was a timeout. I went down to a knee, but I could hear him talking about sprint right option coming up. He's in here sliding back out. This is great when they're tired and they're confused. They want to get back to Dallas. This is when you knock their ass off from this one. If you don't get what you want, you'll just throw, simply throw the ball away. You're ready to go to Dwight, you got it? Joe was saying, Freddie, I'm going to come to you. And then as we're breaking the huddle, he's like, Dwight, be ready. Unfortunately, this time, Freddie falls down. And Dwight sees it, and he knows that he needs to get to the back of the end zone and slide along the backside of the end zone. My amazement with Joe is always that in the, the frickin' situation that sends you to the Super Bowl, he's rolling right, Freddie slips, and he's covered. There's three Cowboys in front of him, so he can't run. Has the calm to say, I got to get these guys up in the air, pumps them, they jump, and then he throws it in the exact spot it had to be. It was just a perfect pass, magical moment from Joe Montana. So I was at the catch. You know, Joe throws a touchdown pass to Dwight Clark. Everyone jumped up and I got freaked out. My mom's got a really cute picture of Bert holding me. I was four years old, and I'm crying because I can't see anything. Probably my first football memory was that game. Decades later, the catch is still as iconic as it was in January of 1982 when Montana and Clark executed it. The catch will be around forever. I think there was a a big sigh of relief because that was such an important game for us to get past because the preparation that went into it, knowing that what the results would be if we won, uh, made it that much more special. It was great to beat the Cowboys, but now we were going to the Super Bowl. And the quarterback, number 16, Joe Montana. I think it'll be a high-scoring game. I can see scoring all day. My head says San Francisco. My heart says it's the Bengals by a touchdown. There is no question in my mind, Grant. Cincinnati will win this game. 